QP Nation, we're back on the air. QP Sports Exchange Hoop Questions Monday. It's your host, Vince, and we got a real jam-packed show for you today. First off, we're going to talk a little Victor Oladipo news. We're also going to talk about a family affair in the association. We're going to have a player profile on the number one prospect in the draft, Cade Cunningham, the guard out of Oklahoma State. And we'll have a odd deal with a Kentucky prospect as well. And you know we're going to talk about some Zion because it's all Zion all the time. So that's what's on the pod for today. Quick news, I guess. We're going to take the rookie watch out this week just because it's a real heavy show. We got some stuff that we need to get to. So there is that. Then you have the situation, what we saw in Los Angeles last night with the Lakers and Golden State. What that looked like, that looked like a team that was on a mission It looked like a team that, like, okay, we figured some stuff out without Anthony Davis. And it looked like LeBron has decided that the MVP does mean something to him. And he's going out there against, like, the best. And even when he loses, he's putting up numbers. So, the losses are not on him. Now, obviously, the goal is to win another championship and there's been a lot of stuff going around about King James and whether he should load manage or take some time off because he's playing heavy minutes. Well, his response was last night. You can load manage when you are up by 30. You don't have to play three minutes left in the third quarter. And then you definitely don't have to play the fourth quarter. So you can low manage just like that. That's what LeBron is saying. I can low manage all day long playing basketball. Trust me. I'm probably going to trust a guy who's been in the league 18 years and has had really one injury of note, which is the groin. You know what I'm saying? He hasn't had like knee issues or Achilles issues or anything like that. And he just takes care of himself so well. So it's just one of those things where you have to look at it and just trust the track record until the track record tells you something different. So with that game was, whew, it was ugly from the Golden State side because nothing was going down. Okay. And you just have games like that. Stuff was off, you know. He really didn't get it going at all from three. When you don't have Steph going and you just can't count on anybody else on that team. And then also the tenor of that game changed when Draymond Green went out with an ankle. There is that as well. Okay. So all in all, I think for Golden State, that's just a throwaway game, you know, just You don't just erase that from the memory bank. And for the Lakers, it's a positive situation. I think as long as you can keep Anthony Davis out, 
and get him super right for the playoffs. And if you can hold your ground where you are, if you're the Lakers, it's it's okay being the two seed. It's all right. If you can hang on to the two seed and stay exactly where you are, you're still in a good position to get yourself to the NBA Finals and go up against whomever is coming out of the East. It's like if the Lakers were going down to like 5th, 6th seed or anything like that, that would be a problem. But I think them getting a 2 seed and the only possible Game 7 that you have um, is probably the series against Utah if they make it. And I know a lot of people are hyped on Utah right now and they are playing out of their mind. And there should be a lot of optimism in Salt Lake City. Shouts out to Salt Lake City, Utah. But we just want to know if the shooting is sustainable. If the shooting is sustainable, this team is definitely going to be a problem on the Lakers getting back to the uh, NBA Finals. Because that team moves the ball. It's beautiful to watch. Um, I know there's a lot of coaches out there that are looking at that and going, wow, that is that is just pretty to watch you know in the day of isolation basketball AAU style basketball you know seeing the ball being passed around the way Utah does it is really impressive but it's also just one of those things where you just see it and it's just so pleasing to the eye and the shots they're getting are wide open because if you're in scramble mode all the time and you're always helping the helper and land trying to get back to your man that's a real hard predicament to be in when you're NBA defense in today's NBA so it's cool to watch and then the good thing about that is is that what did the Lakers turn around and do yesterday right they did the same exact thing the ball was just moving for the Lakers so well and so crisp all night. I mean, they had a lot of turnovers. Um, some of it because they were just bored, I think, because they were just up by 30. But when the ball is being moved, it's just really awesome to watch. And uh, you're getting that from Utah right now. And if the shooting is sustainable, they're going to go far in the NBA playoffs. I am really looking forward to a Utah Los Angeles Lakers final if that happens because those styles would just ah it'll be great to see all right so that's pretty much it for the opening we're gonna get to the rest of this fantastic award-winning podcast and we're gonna do that now time for some news and notes we're gonna hit you with some nba news 
Houston guard Victor Oladipo reportedly turned down a two-year extension for $45.2 million. Oladipo, 28 years old, is betting on himself for a longer extension. Now, here's the deal with this, okay? In 2017-2018 and in 2018-2019, that's like the height of the Victor Oladipo powers, okay? This is pre-injury, you know, he's doing it. He's making it happen. These are the numbers, okay? Those two years, he averaged 21 points a game, two steals, 4.7 assists, and 5.4 rebounds, okay? He also averaged five free throw attempts a game, and also 80% of those free throw attempts were made. He attempted six threes and shot 36% from three-point land, and he shot 45% from the field. So those two years, he did it as well as you can do it because he came out of Indiana as a athletic two-guard that really didn't have, you know, three-point range. So he's worked at it and gotten better. It's one of those situations where you look at it and you go, okay, that's like the height of Victor Oladipo. But the Victor Oladipo that we're dealing with right now, these are the numbers for him so far this year, okay? He's shooting 40% from the field. He's shooting a miserable 29% from three with two less free throw attempts than he was averaging in like his zenith of a player that he was. Okay, so he's averaging three free throws instead of five. Now, Oladipo is still giving a lot of effort on the boards and with assists. He's still averaging five rebounds and 4.8 assists a game. But for Victor Oladipo to want the extension that he wants and the money that he wants, he's going to have to get a lot closer as far as his shooting is concerned. The 2017, 2018, 2018, 2019. Victor Oladipo, okay, he's going to have to get much better, and it's just going to have to look a lot more efficient, you know, he's struggling with his shot, and sometimes you wonder, is it the leg, is it the leg that's giving him issues, is he going to be able to find that again, so we'll see what happens with Victor Oladipo, now here's the thing, with all this, Houston has to trade him or they are going to lose him for nothing. So the thing about it is, is do you want a Victor Oladipo the way he is currently with the opportunity that Victor Oladipo is going to get closer to the guy he was in 2017, 2018, and 2018, 2019. Now, if you are a squad or you're a fan of a squad, that you think taking a run at Victor Oladipo, hit me up at QPP Network on Twitter and hit me up on Question Point Pod Network on Instagram and tell me your thoughts on does Victor Oladipo help your team? Because I want to know. I do have about three teams that I think he would fit in well with 
and also possibly be able to help his numbers so he can get closer to the bag that he wants. To me, the three teams are Boston, Toronto, and Dallas. Those teams should make a phone call to Houston and see what it would take to get Victor Oladipo. Because here's the thing. It's not going to take, you know, a top five dude. You know what I'm saying? What they want in return are young, controllable assets. Okay? They want guys that are under contract, low dollars, uh, with some upside. So the Boston Celtics, the Toronto Raptors have those. Dallas, not so much. They might be able to offer them something like, um, uh, what's, the, what's the guy's name? Uh, Richardson. Um, the guy they got in the trade for the, uh, Seth Curry. So they might be able to get him on like an upside situation that, you know, it just hasn't materialized in Dallas and maybe getting Victor Oladipo obviously would help Luka in a big way. And we're going to talk about that in a second, but the two teams that have more to offer and, it might be something to look at for building blocks for the future for all three of these teams as well. Because if Victor Oladipo plays well, you got a 28-year-old guy who you can say, hey, that's 20 a game. And he's going to shoot like 45% from the field and like 35% from three-point land, which is okay. It's It's okay. It doesn't have to be great but he has to just be willing to shoot it. Those are the type of things that you could possibly be getting with a more comfortable, focused mindset, Victor Oladipo, right? So as far as fit is concerned, I believe Boston and Dallas are the two teams that are a great fit for um, for Victor Oladipo. When it comes to Dallas, it's the playmaking of Doncic. You know, it's the playmaker of Doncic that has me really excited because Victor Oladipo can slash and get to the basket, and with Luca's passing, it would just be devastating. Okay. Um, also, you would have another real live defender because that's the one thing Victor Oladipo is: is that he's a willing defender, and he's good at it, and he gets in passing lanes, and he's just a, a disruptor on the defensive end. I know Miami might be another team, and we don't have them to actually talk about, but that's another team that if they could cobble something together, that's another guy that would be great for the Heat organization. But we're not talking Heat. We're going to get into Boston and what it means for them. Just imagine what it would look like in Boston, right? You got Tatum, you got Jalen Brown, and could you imagine Victor Oladipo as your third you know what I'm saying? Yeah, he doesn't shoot it like great from three-point land, but he's a willing shooter and he's a confident shooter. When Victor Oladipo's right mentally and physically, he will shoot that shot. He does believe in his ability. So that's all you can ask for is a willing, you know, pretty good-looking stroke three-point shooter. Okay? And him giving Boston that third guy that could average anywhere between 18 to 20 a game and here's the thing he could then be so efficient with it with the slashing and the cutting you're gonna have three guys in the court that can constantly move so that would be a good pickup for Boston 
when it comes to the actual pieces and how it fits. Now, as far as Toronto's concerned, what you're looking for in Toronto is this, right? You don't want to have to go down to the bottom of the barrel, right? So you got to start getting dudes in there that can play. So if you have Victor Oladipo with the opportunity and see the thing with Boston, Toronto, and maybe not so much Dallas is concerned, you're going to be in a situation um, that getting people in through trade is going to be a lot easier than getting people through free agency, right? Notoriously, Boston has kind of struck out on a free agent situation. It's not a dig on Boston. It's just a fact. So trading for a potential superstar coming back, you got to take those risks when you can't. You got to strike when the iron's hot. And it's fleet. If you're, you don't have to give up a ton to get a Victor Oladipo, it's not like you have to dig so far into your young talent pool to get them. You might only have to give up maybe two two young guys, right? You're going to need a, a salary fitter, right? But as far as your young guys are concerned, where the Celtics have about five or six of them, give them a couple young guys who got some upside and see if they, you know, the makings of a new team are there, right? And with Toronto, it's the same thing. Okay, Kyle Lowry is 35. He's at the end of his contract. So, I mean, you could slide some of that money to Victor Oladipo. So, and you'd be saving some money, right? Because if you have to give Victor, let's say, 25, 26, Kyle Lowry's at 35. So, if you're just saying, I'm going to lock off $9 million, which that's a mid-level guy right there, right? Um, Here's a, now a guy who can help you with Fred Van Vliet. And Pascal Siakam and OG Adenobi. So that's a good nucleus of players in Toronto. So what you'd have to give up, I don't know, right? Is it Norman Powell and OG Adenobi? Are they going to want Pascal Siakam? You're not going to give up Van Vliet. I know that. He's with you. That's your dude, right? You paid him money. That's your guy. So. I think Victor Oladipo can be gotten. I think that he's somebody that some of these teams that are what I would consider the smaller market teams should look at because the chance or the opportunity to roll the dice on a guy that has all-star potential and is just coming back from injury and what have you, you got to strike on those because... You waiting through the draft to get a superstar, sometimes it doesn't pan out that way. He might be a good integral piece to a team, but he's not the guy, right? The Lakers had a bunch of good young kids that in three or four years could have turned into something, but you saw what they did. They blew all those kids out and got Anthony Davis, and they won a chip. So... Let me know what your thoughts are on the Victor Oladipo deal. Do you think your team could use Victor Oladipo? What are you willing to give up? Hit me at QPP Network on Twitter. Hit me on Question Point Pod Network on IG and Facebook.
Blood Diamond Beats Alright, we're going to switch it up to some college basketball news. And this is basically draft stuff. So, this is guys to keep to keep your eye out on as we start getting closer and closer to that time. So, what we try to do is get you like two to four guys that we got some news on. Scouts are talking about them. And where they are kind of related in the draft. Are they a lottery pick, fringe lottery, first rounder? second, whatever the case may be. So I got about four guys that I'm going to talk about today. Um, first being an interesting little a little, little thing that just popped up. Um, are we ready for a second Wagner brother? Michigan sophomore Franz Wagner is hopping up the draft boards right now. The 6'9 forward is more than athletic enough to be uh, – Somebody who can be on the perimeter as far as that's concerned, as far as defense. Um, the younger brother is one of the best defenders in the Big Ten. Wagner has a 6.3 defensive box plus or minus. So here's the thing, stat nerds. I gave you 6.3 defensive box plus or minus. All right. You're welcome. I knew one day analytics would get into this podcast. I knew it. But those are the stats I had to give it, right? But the eye test is more for me. He's a lot more athletic than his brother. That's so easy to see. His agility to get to help and then get back to his uh, man is impressive. And then also when you switch him onto a guard, it's not a problem. It's not like he's on skates. He's able to angle. He uses defensive position. He's a willing defender. He's a guy who doesn't, you know, it's not almost shy away from this or, oh, yep, he's going to the basket, so this is a dunk, so I don't want to be on a poster guy. No, he's moving his feet. He's, you know, he's trying to stay in front of that guy. He's angling him to the shot blocker. So, He's doing a lot of positive stuff when it comes to the defensive end of the ball. And the other thing is that my man is shooting lights out, okay? Wagner right now is shooting a smooth 51% from the field. He's also shooting 37% from the land of three. So his three is buttery. He's 84% from the free throw line. I mean, this is this is great. And also, having another guy in the league so you create the, the night at the Roxbury situation with the Wagner brothers being in the league, that could only help the league. These dudes look like the guys from um, Saturday Night Live with the, you know, <laughs> with the bobbing in the head and everything. They're just... Wagner was here as a Laker. He great character, good guy. Seems to be a really good teammate. Stroke the three, the whole deal. So his brother seems to be the same thing, but a little more athletic. And here's the other thing. Here's what the scouts are saying. 
this dude is sniffing lottery status. Like, there are projections that he's like the 14th best overall prospect in the draft. Now, mind you, we are in the first day of March, so happy March to you as we march on on QP Sports Exchange towards the top. QP Nation, again, thank you for your participation. Thank you for your downloads and your subscribes. And thank you for spreading the love to other people. The other day, we hit download number 1300. And you know how I feel about that. I feel blessed. So thank you again. The entire QP Nation community. So yeah, we're gonna have a we gonna have a second Wagner brother in the league. He's doing it up in Michigan. So as we get closer to conference tournament time, as we get closer to the madness that's about to happen in March, I'm giving you some guys to look at because these guys are the guys you're gonna be talking about when it comes to the draft. When it comes to your team picking, this might be a dude in your area. That your team is looking at. So QP Sports Exchange is just giving you love every single day. That's how we try to do it. All right. The next guy we're going to talk about. Last week we did a player profile on uh, Keon Johnson. Who is just a tremendous athlete. He's getting it done at Tennessee. This week we are going to get his guard partner. Tennessee's guard Jaden Springer is getting a lot of draft buzz right about now. What they like about him is that he's a six foot four combo guard. NBA teams are banking on his uh on his athleticism. His consistency at both ends of the courts are, is really what is exciting people about his game. He is a he likes to defend. Notice that we've been spotlighting guys that do it on both ends or try to do it on both ends. You don't hear a lot of guys on QP Sports Exchange that are, hey, he kind of allergic to defense unless they already in the league. You know what I'm saying? So my man is doing it on both sides of the court. His college coaches are raving about his ability to quickly understand concepts on the defensive and offensive end. Then he picks it up the concepts like you picking up money that you found on the street and then his ability to apply the concepts that he just learned like the next game is automatic like he just has it it's locked in the other thing is that people just love that he's an extremely hard worker um and he looks like he's lottery bound just like Keon Johnson so the two guards from uh Tennessee are doing it real big but also they're catching the scout's eye. And remember what this league is now. It's nothing but wings and switchability and being able to move the ball and make your shots when they're open. So when you want a free-flowing offense, you know, if you can't cobble together two, three superstars, if you're not Brooklyn, if you're not the, you know, the Lakers, if you're not the Clippers, if you're not Golden State, who was blessed for a while with three dudes. This is the way the NBA is going for you to win. 
Because if you think about it, right, there's really like five or six real, real superstars, okay? There's like maybe 10 dudes that can take over a game and carry a team for a week by themselves, right? Dude, we don't have just 30 guys around the league that can carry a team for a week. So the chances of you having one of those 10, especially with free agency, is super slim. Usually they team up with one another. So usually there's a glob of talent over here. There's a glob of talent over here. And then everybody else has that one guy who's a star. And, you know, they're going up against these super teams. So if you can get a bunch of ball movement, look at Utah and what they are. There's not a guy in that that's like top three lottery pick. They got a bunch of dudes that know how to play basketball. And they got a bunch of dudes that know how to share the ball and look for the best shot available. So if you get five or six dudes on your team like that, you can win in the NBA. You can win a lot of games. You can be very competitive. You can possibly get yourself to the finals. So if you're going the Utah route, it looks like Jaden Springer out of Tennessee, the 6'4 guard, and Keon Johnson, who's 6'5 guard out of Tennessee, are the type of guys you're looking for. So keep in mind, the SEC tournament is starting like in a week. So, you know, these are guys that you want to look at. And these are guys that you want to kind of say, okay, that's a guy that Vince told me about. And I might want to look at him as a guy who could possibly get drafted by my team. Now we're going to move to the centerpiece of the situation. We're going to talk about guard Cade Cunningham. I've been kind of waiting for a while. I wanted to get a lot of intake from scouts and, and talent evaluators on him. I wanted to get some games where I saw him and I really was paying attention to what he was doing. So then I could form a really good opinion and what I figure enough game film to kind of get some insight on the kid. Okay, so first of all, what we'll do is we'll give you the stats. So here's the deal. First of all, the first thing that comes to mind with Kay Cunningham is that he's keeping his team afloat by himself. All right, the 6'8 Cunningham is shooting a nice 45% from the field. He's shooting 85% from free throw line. And he's shooting a absolutely silky 43% from the land of three. Okay, this dude is getting it done in a real way. The Sunday game, I watched that game. K. Cunningham dropped 40 points on number seven, Oklahoma. Okay. It was incredible to watch because he kept his team in the game. I mean, he scored 40 and um, he was not going to let them lose. It just wasn't going to happen. And every bucket down the stretch, he got. If he didn't get it, he created it for the other guy because he gets in that lane like nobody's business. And be knocking down his free throws, which is awesome. This is what one scout said to me. So excuse the language. This actually came from the scout. One scout said to me, the point guard has a give a shit attitude on the defensive end. Effort is definitely there on the defensive end. Cunningham just 
is a willing defender, and that's all you can ask for. Um, he also goes on to say that Cunningham has a strong handle. Now, it's not Kyrie Irving level, but it's good. Um, he changes his tempo very well. He plays at his speed, and he makes you play at his speed. The other thing is that his uh, his crossover dribble is real crispy. Okay, Another scout and talent evaluator said to me, Cunningham, he's an offensive unlocker. Okay, This is what he said. Say that you have a small guard that defends well and shoots the three ball well, but he's small. Okay, And he's not a great ball distributor. He's more of a two guard and a small guard's body, right? No problem. With Kay Cunningham, he pretty much fixes that. He can play the two guard, right, as far as size is concerned, but he can do all the heavy lifting. So Kay Cunningham can do all the ball distribution aspects of the game and allowing the small supposedly point guard to be more of a shooting guard and be able to be comfortable in the offense. Now, another little thing he gave me, he was like, let's say you have two guards and they're great shooters. They're critical to the offense. No problem. Cade is 6'8". He can play the small forward position, still do all the ball distribution from there. And you can keep the two guards that you want as far as critical to the offense and allowing everything to move smoothly. You can put Cade at the three. So that's what they're talking about when you talk about somebody who unlocks a, a team. Let's say you have, you know, it's kind of the same thing in Charlotte, right? You have Malik Monk. Malik Monk is like 6'2". I think they list him at 6'4", but I don't think he's close to 6'4". I think he's like 6'2". But with LaMelo Ball being 6'8", it's fine. Because you have a guy who can guard the bigger guy, handle the ball distribution, and Malik Monk can shoot the lights out. And look, he's been, last eight games, Malik Monk has put up 20 points. Okay? He's ready to go. He's doing it. The Kentucky guys always seem to kind of figure it out. That's why they stayed in the league a long time. Coach Cal doing it again. But this is what they say about the potential number one overall pick. K Cunningham. So that's your play profile for K Cunningham. Let me know your thoughts on it. Okay? Let me know. Hit me up. Twitter, QPP Network. On Instagram and Facebook, it's Question Point Pod Network. I want to know if you think Cade is for your team. And you should think that. Now, so is it possible to go from a fringe lottery pick to the point where you're not even in the top 60 as far as draft eligible players or potential guys who can go in the draft. So Kentucky um, swingman Terrence Clark has not had rave reviews and has not played since December 26 with an ankle injury. But this is what the scouts are saying. We saw him and we're worried about his shooting in the sample size that he did play. He shot 47% from free throw line. And he shot 22% from three. Those are the numbers that have the scouts just really sitting there and taken aback by him. And it gives credence to those who say he's not draftable at this point. 
But the 6'7 Congo guard will have to blow out talent evaluators when he gets into the workouts. That's his only chance now because he's not going to play for the rest of the year. So Kentucky, Terrence Clark, you know he's out for the rest of the year. So his workouts are going to have to be monumental to get himself back into the draft. Now, here's the thing. QP Sports is saying to myself um, and a couple of the people that I kind of lean on and I consider them the backbone of what we do here. We have a different take. and I, But I usually kind of let democracy play out. So if I get voted down or whatever, you know, I got no problem with that. But this is what we're saying. He's young. And if you're a young team or not a large market team, you might want to take a chance on this kid. And I'll tell you why. So if you were like Philadelphia, like during the process days, you know, they stacked like a bunch of second rounders. You know how Philadelphia was doing it? There was times where they had like six second rounders. You know, I think Oklahoma City is kind of like that right now. But if you're a team that's a, not a large market team or you're a team that's looking for talent, here's the thing with Terrence Clark. He is 6'7", and if he, he does have great handle, if his shot comes around, he's a fantastic two-way player. And here's the other thing. Terrence Clark was a consensus top 10 recruit. He was second overall at his position nationally. I mean, with a second, a late second-round pick, you wouldn't take a chance on a guy who just, you know, just take this year, scrap it. You got a six-seven combo guard with really good handle, and if he can find his shot, this dude was literally the second best player in the whole entire country at his position. I think it's worth taking a second-round pick a late one, and rolling the dice with this kid. You know, you can't be a team that's, like, on the cusp of doing something. You got to be a team that's, you know, or a team that could stash him for a second, play him in the G League or whatever, get his confidence up. Because if you're a team like Toronto, if you're a team like Oklahoma City, if you're a team like Memphis, if you're a team like Utah, if you're a team like Toronto, you know, those types of places are the places where these guys kind of find themselves. Pascal Siakam, a lot of talent, raw when he came. They do very well in player development in Toronto. He would just be something that you would definitely have to put a lot of work into. You know, but it's it's worth a chance for somebody to take a uh, a flyer on him in the late second round. I just think of teams like... Toronto and San Antonio, who are both good organizations with a history of great player development. And that's the thing that caught my eye with the whole thing. It was just amazing that he went from pretty much somewhere in between like 16 to 18 as far as where he was on the draft boards to start the year to not even being in the top 60. And that just, I mean, I know he didn't show a lot, but that's just alarming to me. And I think with coaching um, and some player development, I think you can coax something out of him. And whatever he becomes in the NBA, as far as, you know, let's say he becomes just a 3 and D guy or whatever, right? Or let's say he becomes like a real cool, like, 
change of pace combo guard and he runs your second unit and he gives you 10 points and four rebounds and four assists a game. I mean, that's better than not getting drafted at all, you know, and then going the, you know, overseas route, play for two or three years and find yourself. I mean, nothing wrong with doing that either because if you really love the game, and you really love the grind, you'll do what you need to do to get to the league. Ask Jay Sean Tate. You know what I'm saying? But I just found that interesting when it comes to Terrence Clark and his predicament. I hope him well. I hope he kills it in the workouts. And I hope that some team, whomever, in the late second round, maybe they got two or three second round picks, they take a chance on this kid from Kentucky. It's just a bad year, Cal. You'll go get them next year, baby. I am not worried about the Kentucky Wildcats at all. hoop heads we gonna pivot back to the nba and i have something that is kind of a working thought so just kind of follow my lead on this and this is where we come and ask the questions right so unless the gm gets involved which are indications that that's pretty much status quo is not going to happen the new york knicks are going to make the playoffs i don't know if that's a good thing I really just don't, and I'll tell you why. Coach Tibbs has put his DNA on the Knicks. He has them playing good defense, and he has them overachieving. And when's the last time you can talk about the Knicks doing something positive? But Tibbs has them going. Right now, they're in the uh, fourth slot when it comes to East. Tibbs got his Chicago nostalgia guy d rose who's always going to be competent and he's going to be professional the downside is that are we helping or are we hurting the development of the rookie guard emmanuel quickly all right so you got d rose he's getting the minutes because he's a vet and he knows how to play the game and he knows how to aggressively search for his shot and he knows when not to search for his shot and get everybody else involved. He knows how to play off the basketball. There's a lot of stuff that D. Rose does positive for a basketball team. And I understand why Tibbs wanted him. Because Tibbs is trying to win. That's all he's trying to do. I'm here to win. Now, this is where I say the GM plays a role in this. And I understand New York, you guys are excited, but just give me a second, let me work through this, and then you can beat me up all you want. But here's the thing, Julius Randle, his stock right now is probably at the highest it'll ever be. Julius Randle is a freaking all-star right now. Randle, who has been in the league for seven years, um, he's been with three teams, Randall has never shown the ability to shoot the three like he's doing right now this year. For this year, and Randall's meteoric rise 
in his three-point shooting, which is at 42.42% from the land of three right now, okay? Other than that, he had another year where he shot 34.4% from three. In his other five years, he's been a career 27% from three, okay? So he was... He was 27% for three for five years. He had one year, couple like a couple years ago, mixed in where he shot 34. But pretty much has been 27 up until this year. And now all of a sudden, Randall's a marksman. He's just all of a sudden killing it from three. I, You know, I mean, it could. Could just be. That's what he's going to be now. Now credit to Randall's for working on his three game. I'm not taking anything away from him. He's worked hard. To become an all-star. He's worked hard. I loved him in Los Angeles when he was a Laker. I wish they would have been able to work that out. And then they pretty much kind of salary dumped him. You know, to make sure they had enough room for potential free agents. So, I've always liked his game. I liked his playmaking ability. He showed us some of that in Los Angeles. So, I've always known that he could be some variation of what he's doing right now. I never didn't think the three ball would be as prevalent as it is in his game right now. I did not see 42% coming from Julius Randle. Here's the thing. He did what he had to do to make the adjustments to stay in the league where a league is changing. You know, your foreman has to be able to stretch the floor. It has to open up the floor so you can have drives and kickouts. And the other thing in his playmaking ability, he's usually the guy driving to the basket and then kicking it out to the three-point shooters. So he's providing a lot of great things for the Knicks. And I'm and all this is positive. Knicks fans, you are overachieving. You're doing very well. And I'm happy for you. But here's my one thing. Okay? You don't think it would be better to strike while the iron's hot on this version of the 26-year-old playmaking forward and move him for assets that fit the timeline of R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, and O.B. Toppin. I mean, here's the other thing. If you trade him away, you might be in the mix for this 2021 draft. Because that's the deal, right? It's these kids. Is one year at Madison Square Garden Magic or gaining an elite prospect in the draft later this year. Here's the question. Nick fans, I understand. I understand you're winning. And I'm happy for you. It's great to see a good product at Madison Square Garden. A lot of people want the Knicks to be good. The NBA wants the Knicks to be good. I used to love watching Patrick Ewing on Christmas Day play like an early game against like Boston or Philly or whatever. It was cool seeing that. It was cool seeing the garden alive and rowdy and all of that. And basketball is better when the Knicks are good. Let's just be honest with ourselves. It's just been so long since you've been good and being relevant. But here's my thing. Is this one of those things where you just kind of, you want to be like a seven seed like all the time? Because if for some reason you can kind of get tips or somebody in that organization has some uh, intestinal fortitude and says, hey, listen, we're a year ahead of schedule. 
Let's slow this train down a little bit. Let's see if we can go ahead and get into that lottery. And still put a competitive product out there. Guys learning how to play. There's nothing wrong with that. Because here's the thing. You got about like six or seven guys in that draft coming. And there's more than that. But there's probably about somewhere in between three to five game changers in that draft. And if you are the Knicks, get one of those guys, which would be a homegrown talent, basically, should be something that you wanted to do. I understand you got off to a good start. Tibbs has everybody rolling, has everybody in the right role, you know, but it's at the it's at the detriment of Emmanuel Quickly. It's at the detriment of Ogie Toppin, who's not getting any burn right now. Very little. Because Julius Randle is killing it. I just believe that the the lottery pick for one year would just be beneficial to Knicks fans. Would you rather have a good Knicks team when you could go to the Garden? Like a year from now, you can go and it could be 16, 18,000 fans in the in the garden, and you got this pick, and your Tibbs is like getting all these dudes to play defense and buy in, and you do the things that you're doing now, but you now have a lot of people at the same timeline. You know, you can figure out what R.J. Barrett's going to be for you. What is Ogie Toppin? As far as defensive-wise and what's his upside as far as uh, being an offensive force in the league. These are all things you can't find out right now because you're making a, a hard push for the four seed. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's incredible to think about. It's incredible that you're doing it. Wouldn't you want like somebody with a higher upside, like the likes of Jalen Suggs, the likes of Jalen Green, the two guards out of Tennessee, Jaden Springer and Keon Johnson, or an opportunity to draft that kid from UConn, James Bolt Knight. I mean, I'm not saying that being good ahead of schedule is a bad thing, but what I am saying is that being ahead of schedule and missing out potentially on one of these other young guys that would definitely help the lineup be more explosive and consistent because if you have two or three guys on the floor, right, and they're all explosive, somebody has a bad game, two, the other two guys can be explosive for you. That's all I'm saying is being able to cultivate those new guys to be as good as they need to be. I know that it's hard to sit there and say, hey, we got a chance to win, and we're going to win right now. But – Emmanuel quickly needs that development. Ogie Toppin needs that development. So, Nick fans, jump on me. You know what my Twitter is? QPP Network. On my Instagram, it's Question Point Pod Network. And Facebook is the exact same thing. So, hit me up and let me know. Now, we have a story out of New Orleans. And I'm so excited about this. The New Orleans Pelicans have finally embraced the Zion. It only took a year and a half, but the Pels are embracing the full Zion experience. QQ Sports Exchange has watched a bunch of Pelican games. So early on in the year, 
Zion was in the dunker spot a lot. He was just chilling, not engaged with the offense hanging out in the perimeter. Even Zion's body language was looking, wasn't looking great. Stan Van Gundy is an old school coach and he demands defense from everybody on his team. The young players need to do it as well. The one thing with Zion is you got to keep on remembering is this, is that he only played 24 games last year. And also in those 24 games, his minutes were restricted to a, just a ridiculous situation. Okay. They didn't want him to get hurt, which is great. I understand you're protecting your commodity, but now Stan is wanting defense from him and it's taking him a little while to get those concepts down and understand what his role is in the defense. And what you're starting to see is that his defense is coming around. It's still not great. It still needs to get a lot better, but it is coming around. So he just needed to get those rookie reps in that he didn't get from last year. And also keep in mind, they're not really practicing at all. So he needed game time to, in a sense, to get these rookie reps so he can become a more alert defender and kind of know the concepts and understand his role and where he needed to be when it came to the defensive side of the ball, okay? Now, here's the other thing with Zion. With him playing better defense, in the last 12 games or so, it's just kind of unlocked his offense as well. Zion is now becoming like a primary ball handler and he's finally becoming the go-to guy on the offensive side which makes the Pelicans even more fun to watch and dangerous because that dude getting the ball in his hands at the top of the key with as fast as he is as high as he can jump and as physical as he is it really is unstoppable. It's so incredible to watch because you don't know what he's going to do when he gets the ball in his hands. He blows by people so quickly, and it's so sudden. And I think that's the word for it. It's sudden. And the poor defender who was in good defensive position is just at the mercy. And, I mean, he has athletes just pouring out of him. The one piece that Zion's missing from his game to make him even a bigger monster is the rebounding aspect. Now, my theory on this is, is that he does he just doesn't focus on rebounding because he's releasing to get deep post position um, down, the, down the floor. So he releases early. If uh, Stan Van Gundy can get um, some old tape of Charles Barkley, and show Zion, hey, if you take the ball off the rim with a head of steam and you being 6'7", 285 pounds, there's nobody on this planet that is going to get in front of you. You know, think about that. Think about how scary that would look. If Zion literally went to the rim and got the rebound and then took it up the court himself with a full head of steam. He's got 94 feet of building up speed, which his top end speed and his jumping ability are so crazy that by the time that dude got to the free throw line, he'd be probably ready to jump over the backboard, basically. 
So my advice to Stan Van Gundy is to get some old Charles Barkley tape. And for you young hoopheads out there, if you don't know about Charles Barkley, the only Charles Barkley you know is inside the NBA, go YouTube, use some Philadelphia 76ers Barkley highlights and tell me if that's the most devastating thing that you've ever seen in your whole entire life. This six foot four, two hundred and seventy pound dude with the basketball in his hand and a full head of steam coming dead at you. You rebounded like a mother. You know, he felt like if he wasn't in double digits, he wasn't doing his job. So, you know, food for thought. These are the questions that we ask here at QP Sports Exchange. These are the questions that now you can go ask your people. And get a dialogue going. Get some conversation going. Hit me up on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. You know, so we can chop it up about it as well. But these are the things that I want to bring to you today. Now, here's the thing. We're not going to have a rookie watch this week because we have so much to get to. Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to put the rookie watch on the website, questionpointpodnetwork.com. In the next couple of days. So keep a lookout for that. The rookie watch wasn't forgotten. We just had a lot to get to. I wanted to make sure I brought it to your attention. And I wanted to give you. All of what we had. So that's what's going down for today. And QP Sports Exchange. And Who Questions Monday. Is over. I thank all the listeners. Thank you for downloading and subscribing. Thank you for your passion. Thank you for just being part of this community. It means so much to me. Um, we're going to hook it up on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Guys, We got that's the next step. That's the next step of our, of our virgining empire. QP Nation is a real thing, and I feel the love, so I'm giving it back to you. So with that being said, be good to yourself. Make sure you take a couple minutes out of your day to make sure you got yourself together. Because when you're together, you can be even better and more impactful to the people around you if your mental and your centeredness is all one. The other thing is be good to your neighbors. You know, your neighbors might be struggling with whatever is going on in their life. See if you can just have a friendly hello, you know. Ask them how they're doing and really ask them how they're doing and listen to what they have to say. Because, man, listen, this world is so much of a better place when we caring about one another. I don't know when we got away from that, but, um, man, I sure hope we can get back to it. We're going to have to just get out one to God and let him do his thing. And then the last thing is this. If you have the ability to help out. You know, there's a lot of struggling communities out there, and every little bit helps. I don't care whether if you're giving a loaf of bread to a neighbor or whatever because you have excess. That is giving. So if you can do that or do some community work around your, you know, community. I know COVID, you know, it's hard to do that. But every little thing helps. I don't care if you have canned goods that you're not going to eat. Somebody will eat them. You know, just pass them along to somebody. And if you got the means and the money, 
give to these organizations that are helping those who are less fortunate than us because we are super blessed here at QP Sports Exchange and here at QP Nation Community. And the last thing that I want to hit you with is make sure that you are your mental situation, your mental health is healthy. Make sure that you are doing all the things to keep yourself healthy. Talk to people. Don't isolate. Get yourself involved in stuff as far as um, positive people doing positive things. And maybe get yourself out of your own doldrums. And if you have somebody who's struggling with mental illness in their life, talk to them. All right? Try to reach out to them. Okay? And if you are somebody struggling, therapy, pastors, friends, family, talk to them. Be vulnerable. Let them know what's going on with you. Maybe they can help. And if they can't help, they'll get you the help that you need because they love you. And they want to make sure that, you know, you are just productive member of society and doing the things that you need to do all right with that i'm getting up out of here you guys enjoy the rest of the week keep in mind football friday is coming to you and we're gonna have that it's gonna be crazy it's gonna be lit just like this podcast so i can't wait for that so i'll see you later on in the week oh the other thing that i want to bring up is that i'm gonna have a segment called No question about it. And that segment is going to be something. And we're always going to do it on Football Friday. So, hoopheads, I want you guys to just at least listen to that. If you're not a football fan, find the no question about it segment of the week. Because what we're going to do is we're going to spotlight individuals or companies or entities that are doing positive things. It can be from the sports world, the music world, the... Uh, entertainment world as far as acting it can be somebody local here's the thing hit me up on twitter qpp network on instagram question point pod network because if you submit to me somebody you think is a no question about it candidate of the week and they get on the podcast you know what i'm saying we gonna spotlight that person Please send your submissions to my Twitter, QPP Network, Instagram, Question Point Pod Network, so we can go ahead and give light and show love to people who are making real cool contributions to our community and to the world. All right. With that said, we're out. This podcast is over, and I am... Bouncing.